This is the Servers Radio Network. Welcome to this edition of A Server's Journey with Rocky DeStefano. We're going to join Rocky and his guest, Jeff Rogers, in the studio discussing family legacies. So, again, we're going to welcome Jeff Rogers back onto our podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit about, um, he has written a phenomenal book. In fact, it's so phenomenal that we are bringing him on for a second episode, and it's called Create a Thriving Family Legacy. How to Share Your Wisdom and Wealth with Your Children and Grandchildren. It's um, uh, published by Forbes Book, and it's going to be available on Amazon pretty quickly here. In fact, I think it's already available on Amazon. It's available for pre-order right now, and it launches uh, January 4th. Yeah, so by the time you hear this episode, it, you it may already be sold out. You may be out of luck, but if not, you can you go to, to Amazon. Yes, right. Reprint, you can go to Amazon, and you can kind of get this, but... Um, Jeff uh, had several organizations, one of which is called Stewardship Legacy Coaching, and we're really going to be kind of diving into this book. Um, Jeff, in your last, uh, at the last episode, you talked about um, the three generations of a business and how wealth can uh, e- evaporate if it's not um, done well and taught with character and so forth. So I'm going to have you kind of remind us a little bit about that. Thanks, Rocky. So, yeah, we talked about this idea of um, a saying that's been around in America for uh, over 100 years called shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. The idea is that generation one oftentimes builds the wealth. And as they're doing that, they're, uh, they're, they're building their values. They get known in the community for their honesty and for their other values. Oftentimes when it comes to wealth transfer uh, to generation two, they begin to lose the perspective of generation one, uh, the value of a dollar, the work ethic, and these types of things, other values. Sometimes even they lose the faith value. And, and it's crazy because that's exactly what normally built these companies. That's exactly and right. And it's amazing how fast they can go away. That's right. And so oftentimes by generation two, they're simply maintaining uh, the, uh, the the values and they begin to lose uh, the wealth. And by the time you hit generation three, They've squandered uh, the the wealth most of the time. In fact, less than ten percent of the wealth of wealthy families survives those that three generation transfer. And this is not something that is um, that is um, uh, just here in the United States as well. Uh, this is a, a, a principle that we see throughout history. In China, uh, they have a similar term, but instead of shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. It's called rice patties to rice patties in three generations. Wow. Uh, in old Spain, um, it was from the stables to the stars to the stables in three mm-hmm. generations. Gosh. Old England, from clogs to clogs in three generations. So it's a universal syndrome of generation one builds the wealth. As you pointed out, Rocky, a lot of times they're building the values and they're using those. And that's what creates goodwill and success. And um, and then by generation two, they're they're beginning to squander it, and by generation three, uh, it it's all gone. Not just the financial wealth, but also uh, the other types of wealth and and the values in the family. And so that's when we see, for example, institutions, for example, like um, uh, many of the the top universities, the Ivy League schools, Harvard, Yale, Princeton. Each of those were originally created founded by Christians yes, to prepare Christian universities. Yeah, to prepare people for for gospel ministry. And if you look at them today, they've drifted far far from that. 
Same thing with a lot of foundations. And so uh, it, it can be true with family wealth also that, you know, generation one might have been concerned about the gospel and saving the world and saving the babies. By the time it gets to generation three, uh, they could be taking that money instead of saving the babies. They can be using that money to kill the babies. Mm. And it can be totally instead of, you know, promoting the gospel, trying to save the world. It can be used for atheistic purposes. And so uh, you can have, you know, really kind of generation one almost rolling over in the grave over what's been done. And so what we're passionate about and what we talk about in Create a Thriving Family Legacy book is about how to transfer your wisdom and your wealth um, together to your children, grandchildren, and future generations. And part of that is not just wisdom, life lessons that you've learned, but also your family values, virtues, things like work ethic, understanding the value of a dollar and, um, and, and what it means to earn that dollar, and, um, and even transferring your faith to your children and grandchildren, um, which what? we think is critical. What? So it, if you were to see, is there a common trend or a common theme when, when the um, families or the organizations begin to lose this? Is, is, it, is it a lot of complacency? Is it bad decisions? Is it just forgetting the values and the, maybe the religious aspects of, of why they were doing it to begin with? Yeah, in in order to answer that question, I'm going to ask Larry if he has the ability to do so to look up Psalm 78 sure. for us and 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 look up uh, you know kind of verses one through seven because that addresses your question, uh, Rocky. Um, and I don't I don't have that passage memorized. I've got a little bit. I of actually it, but... have it here, Larry. I can okay, find it. You got it quicker. Yeah, it's, um, you said Psalm 78. Yes, one through seven. Okay, I can find that. But to answer your question, Rocky, it's really, uh, I think, um, it's not so much complacency or apathy. It's lack of intentionality and lack of being proactive. Those are the two things that I I think too many families are missing. They're just not intentional and they're not proactive. And uh, if you're not intentional and proactive, then inertia is going to set in. Um, you know, it's kind of like the laws of gravity, right? Sure, uh, yeah. Values don't build, you know, people don't get stronger values without intentionality, That's right? right? Yeah. The values go down. They don't, they don't just get like, stronger. It's just like running a race. I always say that um, I was never a runner. I wanted to run a half marathon on a marathon and I had to put the practice in and it was every day, no matter how I felt, I had to be intentional with carving out time to do it. And it's the same thing because sometimes when you're bu- building this business, you, ha- you, you clearly know why you're doing it. You clearly understand your values. But it's easy, if you're not c- careful, to forget to and, you know, bring that on and teach your kids and your grandkids to be every bit as intentional with it. Right. And this is one of the things that, that I appreciate about you, Rocky, is you've done that in your family. I've seen you do trying, that. Sure. You know, you're, <laughs> you're intentional and proactive and trying to build those values in your family. And, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, we view legacy holistically, five different areas, personal legacy, family legacy, financial legacy, business legacy for those who are business owners, and then kingdom legacy. And that's another area that, that you're, I think, doing this well. You've got a couple hundred uh, mostly young people, but yeah. you know some others that uh, that work for you. You're their employer; they're your employees. If you just look at it from that perspective, but you don't just view yourself as an employer. You view yourself as yeah. a mentor, yeah. as a leader, and you're you're investing and you're pouring those values into the lives of those young people. 
And uh, so this happens or should happen, not just in a family context of children and grandchildren, for those who are business owners, or really anybody who has people working under them, yeah. even if you're not a business owner, has if you're a yeah. leader, you've yeah. got influence, and it's a great opportunity to... I, You know, I, I always tell people that I had a really odd conversation that I feel like probably did more for me to be intentional in this aspect than any, and it's, you know, Dan Cathy, I always say he he's a bright, bright guy, so I knew Truett. And, and I shook his hand and had conversations with him. But um, by the time I was really coming up with Chick-fil-A, Dan was more of an influencer. And I remember being on a plane with Dan, and he looked at me, and he has this way of looking where he can see deep into your soul. I, I, I swear he's reading your inner thoughts. And so he asked me two questions. He says, are you happy? Which, okay, how do you answer that, you know? Because I tend to be a little a little melancholy. But the second thing he told me is, Rocky, I believe when you go before God that he will he will ask you, that you he will hold you accountable for every person that he's put in your path. That's right. And that was so sobering and I mean really, and it was it's exciting and thrilling, but more than anything, it really made me sit back and think, okay, if that's true then I better be a good steward of these people that God's given me. Um, so I, I, I don't take, uh, I don't think it's anything I've done as much as a conviction that I've been given by somebody that I do admire and respect. So, yeah. And that's actually really why we named our company what we did, Stewardship Legacy Coaching. Right. It's stewarding the legacy and all the people, all the financial resources, the businesses, right. you know, our, our, our you know, future generations. Yeah, it's stewarding, and it does way. help. I think the the better job that Truett did with Dan and with the grandkids of sharing what he hoped his legacy could be, it gives them a filter and a north star to not hopefully stray too far away from what the original intentions. And you look at Harvard. If you read some of Harvard's, you know, foundational statements. They were not hiding the gospel. Not at all. I mean, they were adamant. They were, you know, on fire for God. And you look at it now, it's a great institution, very good learning, but has almost become, uh, you know. We question that learning. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, they've almost strayed so far away right. that you would never consider them. They, they certainly have lost their missional purpose and the right. purpose for which they were created. So, so I'm going to read this verse. This is Psalm 78, 1 through 7. And it says, My people hear my teaching. Listen to my words and my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will I will utter hidden things, things from things of uh, from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next. We will not hide them from the, from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed the statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded for our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds and would keep his commandments. What a great passage from God's Word, Rocky, where there in Psalm 78, he tells us that one of the things we should do if we want to build a thriving family legacy is to share with our children and grandchildren and future generations the praiseworthy things of God, the wondrous works that he's done, whether it's how he saved us 
or um, you know how he's blessed us, how he's blessed our business, how we followed his uh, wisdom principles from his word, whether it's in our finances or how we've raised our kids or um, how we've run our business and really the values and, and again, the wisdom principles uh, of, of, um, from his word. He wants us to share them with our children and grandchildren and future generations and including our faith. One of the um, uh, sad things that I've seen over the years, because I've been doing this now for 35 years, journeying with families, helping them uh, through these types of legacy conversations. One of the sad things that I've seen sometimes is when a very devout um, uh, couple, parents or grandparents, um, have children or grandchildren who are not walking with the Lord, who have maybe never gotten saved or uh, just um, fell are not, away from it. Or no, yeah, not yeah. walking with Him, and and sometimes their hearts are breaking for uh, for those children or grandchildren, and yet oftentimes they're not really doing anything about it now. It's almost like they have a defeatist attitude that, and, and I've literally heard, you guys have probably heard as well, people say, well, I guess that's how young people are nowadays. Yes. Well, no, it doesn't have to be that way. And um, so one of the, the key things that God's word tells us is, is tell of his greatness, tell of the wondrous things that he's done and uh, share your faith, live it out. And so we talk about that. There's a, a chapter in here about a legacy is not something you just leave behind. That's right. A legacy is something that you live out. That you're active with. That you're yeah. active. And if you're not living it out, guess what? Uh, the odds of them catching it probably aren't real good. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. none, none, none of us like a hypocrite. Well, you know, I've seen that played out even within our church. We have a, a an older gentleman who is somebody I admire uh, so much. He's... Uh, long, long, a very distinguished military career. And right now he would tell you his kids are probably not living it out, but he continues to live it out and he continues to remind them and bring them forward. He's actually had a lot of success with their kids. So the grandkids are kind of catching the fire. But, you know, I remind them all the time, your kids are there. They're going to come back because you're constantly reminding them of God's graciousness and God's great uh, hope. And, you know, they're going through something now, but they will remember and they'll come back to it. Um, and I, I think a lot of times they'll come back to it because the grandkids are hooked, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just like um, as, as you heard in my family, um, you know, my grandmother yes. was godly. Yes. Um, my, my parents were not uh, following Christ. Uh, God reached down another generation to reach myself and, and my brother, and then my parents get saved. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, it's so funny because we try to do with, with our kids what we've been really um, intentional about is we've we've stated our beliefs, we've we've created a culture, an environment where they can hear about God, um, and we've encouraged them to question within the parameters of God being our North Star. So I tell them all the time, I don't know everything. I don't, some things don't make sense, but I always factor uh, in the information I receive through the filter of, I know that there's a Jesus. I know there's a God. And so there's a safety there because you might not, You it's okay to say, I don't understand this, but I know that Jesus is God. Yeah, and it's even okay to doubt. I mean, we, right. we look at uh, Job in the Old Testament and numerous other Old Testament saints and then people in the New Testament, um, you know, people who walked with Christ who then doubted at a, at a moment. But to your point, they went back to what they knew to be true right. as their North Star. 
And, um, you know, I'm reminded of, uh, I think it was the centurion in the New Testament who said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. That's right. Uh, So so we struggle with that. And yet it comes back to a place of do we ultimately, you know, trust that God is good and that he's sovereign and that, you know, Romans where it says all things work together for good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Do we really believe that? Yeah. Well, I think sometimes of life. I, I think sometimes, and I've seen this with Truett too, is that Truett allowed Dan, he allowed the grandkids to be themselves. He provided a, a, a structure, and he was very clear in that, okay, you might not know the answer to this, but the entire, you know, one brick coming out of a wall doesn't take down the whole wall. You know, the wall is still secure. So, I, yeah, I think you can do both, and it looks like um, there's different ways, of course, to do it, but you're teaching your your clients teaching the people that you coach to be very diligent in uh you know making this a living reality for their for their families yeah absolutely again a legacy is something you have to live out not just something you leave behind yeah yeah which is great so talk a little bit about um you know people that are you know you talk about this kingdom legacy and and maybe talk a little bit about what your hopes is so if things are done correctly according to these biblical principles and this verse is very clear that you know you're talking you're sharing this stuff so that it's not just your kids but the next generation and even the children that are yet unborn so i mean god is laying it out that this if you do it correct it's going to have a lasting that ripple you were talking about so talk about what you hope a kingdom legacy can look like yeah so from a kingdom legacy perspective rocky we again view that as holistic Part of it is a financial legacy of releasing resources that can literally change people's eternity, you know, through, you know, good churches and missions and, and things that are going to reach them uh, with, with the gospel. But it goes beyond our financial aspect of investing in God's kingdom. Uh, it's our time, our talents, as well as our treasures. It's our leadership relationships and influence. Are we stewarding each of those to have an impact on the lives of others for eternity, one of the uh, ministries that I that I really like um, is a ministry called World Help, um, and the uh, the motto of World Help is that they provide help for today and hope for tomorrow. In other words, the idea is they can't be just so gospel centered that you know that before we can even get the gospel to people, they die of starvation or right. you know, right. lack of clean water or whatever. But uh, so sometimes we have to help them to right. just survive another day and yes. you know another year or whatever. But we don't want to just give handouts either. Uh, we also want to help them up. We want to help them build you know thriving businesses in their you know third world country or whatever, get clean water. But then we also want to share the life changing message of Jesus Christ so that they have hope for tomorrow and liter- literally eternity. And one of the things that uh, that we talk about in the book is. And I think one of the issues that we face um, in in the uh, the affluence and blessings that we have as Americans is that um, uh, too many of our uh, children and grandchildren uh, grow up and, and have an entitlement mentality. We have a whole culture. It's not just children. It's adults nowadays that have an entitlement mentality, and they're just looking for a handout. And so one of the concerns that a lot of people have, and it's a, it's a valid concern, is how do I prevent that entitlement mentality uh, happening in my family, in, in my children, my grandchildren, and so forth? And um, Jessie O'Neill um, is, uh, is an author. She wrote a book years ago called The Golden Ghetto. 
And uh, Jessie was a great-granddaughter of one of the CEOs of General Motors back in its heyday, before it became government motors. And um, so she grew up with the proverbial silver spoon in her mouth, butlers, maids, chauffeurs, that whole deal. And um, and Jesse found out in her early adult life that there were all sorts of um, dysfunctions in her family that were caused by affluence. And so she wrote the book, uh, The Golden Ghetto, and she coined a term called affluenza. Yes. And, and affluenza is, according to her, the disease and dysfunctions caused by affluence. And uh, so she talks about how that impacted her family as a very wealthy, you know, growing up, you know, child and then young adult and so forth. And I think affluenza has infected way too many Americans. And so one of the things we talk about in Create a Thriving Family Legacy is how can we combat affluenza and materialism in in uh, in the lives of our children and grandchildren? How do we teach them the value of a dollar? Uh, how do we teach them the value of hard work? Yeah. And how do we break the bondage of materialism? And one of those ways, and this goes back to your question about kingdom legacy, one of the ways is through generous giving. That's right. Um, and so uh, if we can involve our children and grandchildren in seeing the needs of a lost and dying and hurting world, uh, people that are less fortunate than themselves, people that in many cases uh, need, again, clean water and food and, you know, uh, those types of things, if we can help them to see uh, those less fortunate than themselves and and do giving together as a family, you know, or and it's not even just giving financially. Sometimes it's doing mission work. That's it's right. doing ministry. Yeah. One of the things I love about our church, as you guys know, is we have a, a ministry called Buses and Backpacks. Well, that's an example of uh, of people within in the context of a church and even outside our church and our community saying, you know what, we're going to care for those who are less fortunate than than ourselves, and we're going to help them with food, we're going to help them with school supplies, and you know different things like this, and uh, that that's an example of it. And we can go down to the Orlando Union Rescue Mission or other places. I know you're on the board of an organization I think it's called New Beginnings. Yes, yeah, yeah. And another example of a ministry that is doing good in our community and helping people, yeah. uh, helping people out, and and so that's there are some things so we weird. can do to help our kids in that way. So weird because you talk about, you know, shirt sleeves, the shirt sleeves. And I think it's an odd thing because if 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 a third generation has to go back to the stables, which I know was another example, that's not a good because something went wrong. But you want to teach them the, the, you know, they shouldn't be too good for the stables. That's so, right. you know, what I always say is I can't do fries every day. Because there's things that I have to do that only I can do. That's right. But I'm not too good for fries. That's exactly right. And and so it's that unique, it's that tension, you know, when you're building this legacy of teaching your kids and then their kids and their kids that we're not too good. That's this right. This is how grandpa started. And he was behind the stove all the time. You're not too good to do that. But... Um, but you you have to have a bigger mentality because you have this wealth now. So what do you do with it? Yeah, that's right. And so one of the one of the dangers is we try to insulate our children or grandchildren from all hardship, from from having to work. Let me give you a, a real life example of one of the ways that my parents taught me 
the value of hard work, and at the same time, they taught me the value of a dollar. It's in the book as well. But growing up, our family, uh, as many families back in the in in uh, those days did, uh, shopped at Sears and Roebuck. Walmart wasn't as yes. big in the, in the eastern part of the U.S., so it was either Sears or J.C. Penney for the most part. You know, most a lot of families shopped at one of those two places, and uh, and that's where our family shopped. And um, I, I remember uh, growing up, uh, we would uh, get our uh, clothes in the fall for school from guess where Sears and Roebuck right. from their That's catalog. Right. Yeah, you know, and then Christmas. Guess what? Christmas wish book. And then and we, we were got waiting for that catalog to come. Spring cl- yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, and uh, so my parents, uh, we we were middle income. We were not poor, but we were not super wealthy either. And so um, they, I remember growing up, we had. Uh, Sears brand of jeans. They were called Tough Skins. That's right. I remember they, those. They had these patches on the inside of the thing that I swear were made of titanium. They were <laughs> indestructible. They were indestructible. Yeah. You, you could fall down on the pavement and you might rip your knee up underneath that. But man, that patch yeah. is in yes. place, right? And uh, and they had their own brand of sneakers. They looked a little bit like Converse All, All Stars, but they weren't. They were called the Winner sneakers and so growing I remember up the winter growing yeah. up i had tough skin jeans and and uh, the winter sneakers and there, there came a point in uh, in uh, my childhood or early teens or whatever where you know i wanted to be cooler than that yes and so you probably did too yeah. and i know rocky larry i'm not sure he really wanted to be cool but no, rocky, larry was cool rocky, just by just he was cool because he was cool that's that's yeah. a, that, i had to try i needed a pair of yeah, nike you so and i had to try yeah. larry had it yeah. He, he, hey, he had the cool factor uh, down. I'm the only one in high school that pressed his own jeans at his father's That's dry cleaners. Okay, so. There you go. Yeah. Oh, man, you had pressed jeans? Rocky and I didn't have pressed jeans. Bingo. Larry was bringing bands to the Sugar Shack. He was cool. He, he defined cool in uh, Nebraska. So. <laughs> there you go. So back on topic. So uh, so my parents <laughs> bought the, the Sears brand uh, jeans and sneakers, and I got to a place where uh, I wanted to have Levi's jeans, and first I wanted to have Converse All-Star sneakers, right, and yeah. then, then Nike came, and That's I right. wanted Nikes. Yeah. So here was the deal. Uh, so my parents said, Jeff, we'll give you the same amount of money that we would have paid for the tough skin jeans, and if you want the Levi's, you're welcome to purchase them, but you have to go out and earn, earn the, the difference. Sure. Yeah. Same thing with the sneakers. So if you, uh, we'll pay for the winner Sears brand. If you want the Converse or the Nike, you have to go out there and earn it. And so what that did for me is, guess what? I went out there and earned it. You know, I raked leaves, shoveled the snow, you know, uh, helped people, washed cars, did whatever I could, you know. And um, in so doing, I learned a number of things. Number one, I learned the value of hard work. That's right. Second, I learned the value of a dollar. Uh, there were things that I thought I wanted that when it looked, took, you know, when, when I had to figure out how much I would have to save and how long it would take me, I decided that it wasn't, wasn't that important. It. Sure. it wasn't worth it. Yeah. yeah. And I also learned how to, how to, uh, how to uh, sell myself, to promote myself to neighbors who would hire me to do those jobs and so forth. And, um, and I had to learn how to do a good job because guess what? If you don't do a good job, sometimes you don't get paid yep, your reputation, or, you won't, yep, yeah, or yep. you won't get hired again. Yep. So there's a lot of really cool things that we'll call those values, family values, virtues, work ethic, value of a dollar. And that's an example. So rather than every time our child or grandchild wants the next best whatever, next best phone or the next best game, instead of giving them everything, I'm not saying don't give them something, but uh, but sometimes I think that we need to let them and really encourage them 
to work and earn and learn right. some of those lessons right. that that will make them valuable employees when they become adults yeah. and they'll help them in school and what well, I bet you I bet you took care of those Levi's and you took care of those Converse a lot better because you had earned it because if it was handed to you you don't care if they get a hold because mom and dad will buy another one that's a good point so you're a better steward that's right. in how you care yeah. for stuff that's right we you know and and, and we've we've got three daughters and our first one uh, just graduated college and she didn't have to work when she was in college i had to work i actually worked three jobs while i was in college me so too she didn't have to work but we told her but you need to work so you need that's to work good. because you need to understand what it's like and you get the benefit if you're a good steward of actually being able to save while you're in college. And so Anzi worked at Chick-fil-A when she first started college. Then she worked for two different... Uh, Did she know somebody there that could help her get a job? So you know the crazy thing, and I was so proud of her, is she worked with me, and then she applied, didn't tell me, but she applied to work on the on-campus Chick-fil-A at UCF and didn't tell anybody that her dad was an operator. That's awesome. So it wasn't until my friend Charlie, who consults the UCF, he walked in, took a picture with her and said, your daughter's here. I said, yeah, she's been working there, but she didn't want me to tell anybody that anybody even knew that, you know, but, but, and here was the, 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 the proud, proud dad moment. We went to go purchase her first, her first automobile. Um, and she had saved almost 20 grand while she was in college. Wow. That's awesome. Now, so she worked. She didn't have need. She tithed and saved. So she was able to buy a Subaru Forester almost 100% with cash. Well, that's great. So, but now and that shows character on her part. That's right. And also, you know, on mom and dad's part, too. Yeah. It, it means that we weren't as, because we were, you know, you're kind of stumbling around a little bit without, you know, we we probably needed the stewardship coaching here. You, you know, we kind of knew I hadn't it. written the book yet. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> See, now we, yeah. You, you know, but um, it, it made you feel good that, uh, some of the things that we thought we were doing, they turned out to be well. And now we're hoping that it, it also is shown in our second and third daughter too. Yeah, you know, that's great. So we, by the way, we call those seeds of wisdom yeah, that you planted and, and the values that you've instilled. And, and, and that's ultimately what people want to see bear fruit in the lives of their children and grandchildren. So I got to tell you there, there's no way we can go. We could, we could probably do five shows, one on every chapter. So I'm going to tell you that, I really, I really implore you, and it's not a way to make Jeff rich, because you don't get a lot when you sell a book. Um, you need to read this book because you need the knowledge, and for a lot of us, you're, it's not too late. I mean, even though you, your kids may be 14, 15, you can still go back and you can start instilling some of this wisdom in them before they go out to college and, you know, et cetera. So, Definitely, but it's not even just for parents; it's for grandparents. You know, (laughs) yes. uh, You know, there's there's a lot of things you you mentioned about how it you know reached down a generation, and you know to to grandkids. You know, and and so uh, yeah, it's for grandchildren, grandparents as well as parents. So it's for anybody. And and I want this is kind of how I wanted to end this this podcast is talk about 1999 and what was meaningful about 1999 because you got a chance to perform a ceremony for somebody who was instrumental in your life. So talk a little, if, 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 you, do, if you can. Remind me. Cause okay. So this is now, and I was intrigued by this because in your epilogue you talked about oh, yeah. how you got a chance to perform your, your grandmother's funeral. funeral. Yes. Okay, great. Thanks for the reminder. Um, yeah, so, um, so we talked about my Graham Rogers and how influential she was uh, in my life and the life of my family, her 
uh, generosity, her hard work, and you know all of those types of things, and how she planted the seeds of the gospel uh, in our lives, and giving my brother and I our first Bible, and writing you know for us to read Psalm forty six one in it, and then as Rocky mentioned, uh, fast forward a number of years later in nineteen ninety nine, I had the opportunity to preach at my at my grandmother's funeral, and uh, really share. Uh, with those who were present, the uh, confidence that we have, we call it the blessed hope of the believers, that we will one day be reunited with our loved ones uh, in heaven. And uh, at uh, my grandmother's funeral, I had an aunt, one of my dad's sisters, who um, who was not uh, yet a believer. And, um, and so remember the lady who was the widow, my best friend's mother, who became my spiritual mom? Yes. Uh, well, she had the opportunity to lead my... Uh, my aunt to uh, to the Lord at that at my grandmother's funeral, and so again, uh, just seeing the great things that God uh, does and how He can take something uh, uh, as simple as giving somebody a Bible and uh, and transform not just one life but many lives, literally for eternity. Well, and it's amazing to me because you had a chance to preach at two funerals, and at one you saw your sister become a Christian, and at one you saw your aunt, which That's is an correct. amazing legacy right there. Yeah. And all of it was started by your grandmother being intentional with giving you a Bible and giving you a scripture that she knew you needed, even though you might not have yeah. known it yourself. And, and, you know, I didn't mention this in the last uh, episode, but every birthday card and every Christmas card that we got all during our growing up years, there was always a Bible verse, different yeah. Bible verse in there. But um uh, that ultimately uh, instilled not only an, an innate knowledge that there was a God and He had, uh, uh, you know, a word a written plan, for a us, purpose, yeah. but but also uh, ultimately gave me, uh, after I became a believer, a love for God's word. Yeah. So again, this book is called "Create a Thriving Family Legacy: How to Share Your Wisdom and Wealth with Your Children and Grandchildren," and you can definitely buy it on Amazon and you can get it through Forbes Books. And do you have a website or a way to get in contact with you? Yes, our um, primary website is stewardshiplegacy.com, and uh, the book is available there. You can see that up in the upper tab. But there's also a uh, an author page uh, or an author website. I think it's thrivingfamilylegacy.com. Yeah, and we'll actually put it on our website too, so you can always go to um, ser- a serversjourney.com, and um, all the links will be there. Yeah, we'll provide a link, yeah. yeah. Boy, I, I tell you, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. No. This has been two fantastic episodes. Yeah. And and I think we have time. We're going to go ahead and, and get through this layer real quick. Yeah. So can we're we gonna do, do Yes, we're going to do what we call this one or that one. So we're going to put you a little bit on the spot. Want to find out a little bit more about Jeff yeah. Rogers. And you okay. can always pass if you don't like either. or if you Can I call like, a friend? Yes, you can. You can, yes. Yeah. They've been calling Rocky all you, the day, so you, I don't You have know to use not. a payphone, though. There you go. What's a payphone? Yeah. Okay, so the first two are Elon Musk or Richard Branson. Is there one that you're attracted to or neither? Either or. Well, let's put it this way. In the way that you framed the question, I'm not attracted to either one. <laughs> okay. But, yes. but if I got to meet either one yes. or have the highest respect for either one, it would be Elon Musk. Okay. And, and what is it just his creativity and his uh, – what, what about him? No, it's uh, that – that he he has this um, uh, the, the the Tesla automobile the the S model that has um, I forget what the mode is it's not outrageous but it's something like that and uh, and it can go zero to sixty oh, in ridiculous. like uh, under two point five seconds yeah. is that what something you're driving Jeff no but um, but 
you know, I think Rocky said I get one for being on your podcast. That's right. Uh, yes. Podcast. yes. yes. Tesla is now a sponsor. Elon, please send. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he wants the one with the extra oh, oh. battery, the gold wing. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember the name of the mode. It's called Ludicrous mode. <laughs> Seriously, that's the name of the yeah. go fast mode in the Tesla. Ludicrous. And, and it's. It's it's two point one seconds. Is that it's what, I said it was under two point five. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. fast. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, uh, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates? Yeah. So I, I'm a Windows guy. So from from that uh, perspective, um, it, it would be Gates. But uh, but but I really don't like Bill Gates that much. So it would be Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah. I, he was yeah. far more creative, far more fun. Yes. So yeah, Steve. Yes. I will say though that uh, Gates has been impressive with the amount of money that he is giving to others. Uh, now I don't know if it's all being used right, but I, you know he could keep it all. Right. Yeah. No. He, he's super generous and a great example. Yeah. And and so is Warren Buffett and and some others are great examples of generosity. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes their worldview yeah, doesn't line up. Very different. And so it ends up. You yeah. know. Maybe you ought to send them your book. Yeah. Might yeah. not be a bad. Might not be a bad thing. All right. Uh, so now, are you a fan of either Steven Spielberg or Walt Disney? Both. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but both different times, different eras, That's both right. super creative and uh, super successful at what they do. Yeah. Okay. The world would not be the same without either, without either yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have the last two. One is Star Wars or Harry Potter. Well, so here's the deal. I am one of the few people on the face of the earth that has never seen the entire movie of either one of those. Really? Now, I've seen bits and pieces, uh, bits and pieces of. Star Wars many times, uh, so I've probably seen it all, just not all in one showing, and I've never had any interest Desire. in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'm yeah. with you on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Larry's. I, you know, we only had interest because my daughters wanted to read them. So Trish and I said we better read these first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, so but 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 I'm a Star Wars kid just because of the time I grew up. Or, and the last one, Broadway or rock and roll. Oh, rock and roll for sure. Yeah, see, I knew this about him. I, yeah, I knew mm. this about him. He doesn't have three young girls that are trying to drag him to every Broadway show possible. So. No, but we see those pictures of you oh. and your girls. And by the way, that, speaking of the book, yeah. that is an example, Rocky, of creating a thriving family legacy. Because you're, you're a dad, you're, you're, you're a man's man, you like football, even though it's Ohio State. But, 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 <laughs> it's the greatest university but, but, in but, but, but you like football. Jeff's an Alabama fan, so he can talk time. trash. That's right. All he wants, that's right. the greatest, the greatest uh, you <laughs> but, know, school in history. But, so. but, you know, one of the things I love about you, and I'm, I'm not saying this to flatter you, but, uh, but, but you and your wife go to Broadway shows because you have girls, and it means a lot to them. And, and I believe me, I know what, what a sacrifice it is to go to a Broadway show. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know, now, and by the way, here's, here's an example. We talked in the last episode about uh, taking legacy up a generation. Right. So Kathy, my wife, uh, as you know, we're caregivers for both her dad and my dad. And, and her dad has been a musician all his life. He, oh, wow. he plays yeah. uh, piano. He still plays at 80, 87 wow. with Alzheimer's. Wow. And he amazing. hardly ever, you know, he can't remember from now till but he, how to play but he music. remembers how to play music, hardly misses a note. But anyway, so Kathy, every single month, takes him to the uh, to the symphony, either here or oh, in Mount wow. Dora, yeah. uh, to, to do that. And then other special shows, She just we just did one up at Northland for their Christmas thing. Yeah. Takes him out to, uh, to these types of shows. 
Um, and um, every every single time, she's able to kind of put the bro- get a selfie with her and her dad, yeah. and the program book, you yes. know, from that show. Yes, and she's able to then send that out to her siblings and so forth. And she's building some great memories. Oh, gosh. doing the I'll yeah. call it Broadway type of show. No, I'm telling you, Something. my my wife and I, I think it was, and it was more her than me. So I'll, I'll really give her the credit. When Anzi was a freshman. I, and, and I have a friend, Mike Hodes. I think you know Mike. Yeah. And Mike has always told me to count my Saturdays mm. and then decide if what you were going to do is worthwhile. That's good. So uh, we started counting how many uh, weeks we had until she graduated high school. Wow. And so we stopped giving gifts that were gifts we thought they'd throw away. And we started saying every gift should be a memory. Mm. And th- the Broadway came out of that because I think we'll be going to Broadway shows with her new husband, with Maddie's husband, with their mm-hmm. kid. I mean, we will be, it, it's part of our family DNA. Yeah. Even though some of the shows I'm like, uh, but you know, yeah. some are good though. Hello, Dolly. For the sake of the family. That's right. Anyways, uh, it, this has been a great, and it's been great getting to know you, Jeff. And uh, I think Larry's given me the cue that hey, we're too long. We just want to thank ACS Creative <laughs> for helping us with the website. Thank you, ACS. It's ACS Creative on the website, on your website, on yes. your internet. That would be where you'd find it, yeah. right? Okay. Larry's, yeah, Larry's still learning about the internet. You know that information superhighway the, thing the yeah. the that, that Al Gore invented? I was going right. to say, yeah, thank you, Al. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us here on A Server's Journey. And so, Rocky, until the next time, I'm your ever-faithful companion, Larry. And, and I'm not even going to pretend I have nothing to say to, to, to compare you to, Larry, right now. Wow. I, you know, I, I just don't. So we're going to skip it, but next time I'll do too. Okay. Uh, as always, we talk about how we are on a journey, and we believe it's how you you serve while you're in that role and that's why every week we come and we share a server's journey with you i'm rocky destefano thanks for joining us as together we learn to be better leaders and build better legacies